Let me take a moment or two just to tell you about Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. Anchor is free. And if that wasn't enough, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and many other platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast and it's all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Semper Reformato Podcast, spreading the word and contending for the faith. This is Bob McAvoy, and this is the Semper Reformata podcast. In this edition of the podcast, we look back at 2020, and we see what hope there is for 2021. The object of this message was simply to encourage the congregation not to get too distracted by the difficulties of the year that has just gone by, but to put our confidence and our trust in the Lord for the days that are to come. I hope you enjoy the message. day of 2020. I saw a wee cartoon this morning. The cartoon was of a wee boy looking at his melted snowman. And you can imagine when a wee boy sees his snowman melting, he's not too happy about it. But across the front of the snowman was written the letters 2020. And the wee boy was looking at the melted snowman and he was saying, good riddance. And I wonder how many of us will be like that wee boy, will be looking back over 2020 and saying good riddance to that year. How many of us will sincerely hope that 2021 will be better than 2020 was. So today, for a few minutes, I want to look back, hopefully from a Christian perspective, and see what has gone wrong with the world, biblically. More importantly, ask whether there is any solution to the problems of 2020. I'm going to do so with the help of John's Gospel, chapter 1. I'm going to say today that 2020 has clearly shown that there is a world without God, and yet that there is an answer to the world's problems. Verse 10 of chapter 1 of the book of John, it says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, 
and the world did not know him. But if you want a phrase to sum up this world in which we live, a phrase that is fully exemplified in the year that has just gone by, then that phrase must be, the world in 2020 did not know him. The world did not know Christ. That just about sums up the year for me. We've watched as people hopelessly flounder in a sea of misery created by their own fear. For years and years, people have avoided talking about death. They've covered it up. They make it seem like it's passing over or they won't refer to it in in the terms of death and dying. And yet this year, I suppose, the fear of death and dying has struck them right in the face. And they don't know what to do about it. A couple of weeks ago, I watched a television interview in the news. It was the 10 o'clock news on ITV. And it was on the day that Boris Johnson introduced the new Tier 4 restrictions in England. And as usual, one of the reporters from the television programme went out into the streets and asked people in a Tier 4 area, what do you think of the new restrictions? And a girl in her late teens or early 20s replied, and this is her exact words, I don't want to live in a world where people, like, pass away. I don't want to live in a world where people die. This is typical of the modern thought. We don't want to think about people dying. And yet the fear of dying has stopped through the world's population. And to use a colloquial expression here in Northern Ireland, it's frightening them to death. That has resulted in a whole lot of upheaval throughout 2020. There's been this demand for rights, hasn't there? It's been ratcheted up. One person's rights clashes with another person's rights. And whose rights are going to prevail? We've seen Black Lives Matter marching through the streets of London. And yet that began with a death out in the United States of America. But whatever the circumstances of Mr. Floyd's death, that movement, Black Lives Matter, became a worldwide revolutionary movement. It became a Marxist movement with Marxist ideology. And its supporters took to the streets. They were looting and rioting. Do you remember earlier in the year, they were pulling down statues all around the country. They were disrespecting history. Disrespecting, for example, the statue of Winston Churchill. Shaming people for something done by others on the long distant past. And the complicity of the media spreading their message. Now what about us as Christians? Don't we agree that black lives matter? Of course we do. But we believe as Christians that every life matters before God. That every life is the same. This is the difficulty with soundbite slogans. Black lives matter. Of course they do. So does white lives. So do the lives of unborn babies. The Christian response is that all of us 
come from one set of parents. We all come from Adam and Eve. We're all related, no matter the amount of melanin that's colouring our skins. And we're all sinners, and we all need the Saviour. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, Paul says, Just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, so death spread to all men, because all have sinned. That's the reason that people are dying. Because of sin, because of the fall of man. We're all sinners. We all need the Saviour. Jesus, when he died at the cross, died for men and women of whatever colour. And in heaven, when we get there, there will be people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation gathered around the throne of God. In Revelation chapter 5, it says, You have redeemed us by God, by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. It doesn't matter about the colour of your skin. We're all sinners who need the Saviour. Years ago, before political correctness was invented in the church, the writer of the We Children's Song expresses in the simplest of terms the Christian understanding of race. When he says Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight. So we see race being a huge issue in 2020. And race and racism comes from the fall. It's affected mankind, for we're all sinners. But it's not just race that's been a problem. There's been other problems as well. Extinction Rebellion is an organisation who have a slavish adherence to what is known today as the Green Agenda. I would suggest to you that it's a widespread, sinister, quasi-religious cult who to all intents and purposes worship a false god, a god called Mother Earth or Mother Nature, a return to the pagan religions of old. And we've seen them on our streets this year as well. Strange thing is that the very same people who want to save the earth have no qualms whatsoever, most of them, about abortion. That doesn't surprise me. Child sacrifice was a frequent manifestation of pagan religions that worshipped the ground. If you think of Baal worship in the Old Testament, it was a form of worshipping the earth. If you think of Molech worship, where babies were sacrificed. And of course, one of the primary beliefs of this religion, this green fanaticism, this desire to save the earth, one of the main beliefs of it is that the earth that we live in is overpopulated. There's too many people. 
We're a burden on the earth. We're causing global warming. Every time we drive about in our cars, we're destroying the earth. That's what they're saying. So if the world is overpopulated, we don't want any more babies in it, do we? So their religion says that it's okay to sacrifice your baby for the good of Mother Earth. But don't Christians care about the world? Don't Christians care about the planet that we live on? Of course we do. But we don't worship it. We don't make it our overriding priority. Our priority is people. Our priority is their never-dying souls. Our priority is to see people plucked out of hell and bound for heaven. Our priority is not just for this life, but the life for it that is to come. To make Mother Earth our God would be idolatry. So Christians are responsible for the world, just as Adam was. To care for it and to populate it and to cultivate it properly so that the world can be fed from its bounty. In Genesis 1 and 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. And yet at the same time, the Christian has to realise that just as we are fallen human beings because of what Adam and Eve did, the earth is fallen just like we are. Ruined by the fall. A broken, fallen world. Now here's the wonderful thing that Christians believe about ecology and about the green issues and about the the earth and the planet on which we live. Christians believe that as a side effect of the work of Christ on the cross, one day there will be a new heaven and a new earth. In fact, that verse that we looked at on Christmas Day, John 3 and verse 16, that says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. We sometimes think of that in terms of the people of the world, but the Greek word there is the word cosmos. God loves his creation, and we are part of that creation. And God loves his universe that he created. And this universe and this world and the planet that we live on have been ruined and broken by sin. Yet one day it will be redeemed because of Jesus, because of Christ. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. And the creation is presently awaiting its redemption. Have you ever heard that before? Then you'll want proof, won't you? You'll not just take my word for it. Turn to Romans chapter 8 and verse 19. We'll read from verse 18. Romans chapter 8 and verse 18. This is the Apostle Paul writing to us and it is the inspired infallible word of God. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, that's what a lot of us have been going through this year, the sufferings of this present time 
are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. You see, when you get to heaven, all of this will pass away. Now here's the bit, verse 19. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Now, the whole of the universe, creation is waiting for the day when all of the sons of God, all of the people who are saved by God's grace, will be revealed openly. Will that be? When Christ comes, isn't that right? We don't know who the, the invisible church is just now. We only know the ones we can see. But one day, all of the sons of God will be known to us on the day when Christ returns and we're in heaven with the Lord. So, the creation, the whole of the universe, right now, is waiting for the Lord Jesus to return. Verse 20. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Now you need to read that again when you go home. The creation itself, when you hear these words, these people on the radio and on the television talking about how we must save the world and how global warming is corrupting the world and how mankind is corrupting of the world, you go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 21 and rejoice in the fact that the whole of creation will one day be saved delivered from the bondage of corruption into the same glorious liberty that we have in Christ. Verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groans and labours with birth pangs together until now. Aye, the creation is fallen. It's like a woman given birth. It's in pain and agony. The result of the fall. That's when birth pains come into this world through the facts of the fall. Remember Genesis chapter 3. So the whole of creation is affected by the fall. And it's waiting. The universe, this planet, is waiting for the day when the Lord Jesus returns. All of us and the planet itself will be finally redeemed in Christ. So there has been race tension, racial tension. And there has been pressure from the people who have this slavish adherence to an anti-Christian green agenda. And as I say, that doesn't mean that Christians don't care about the world. We do. But we don't make it our God. And of course the streets have not just been invaded by left-wing activists like Extinction Rebellion and Black Lives Matter. We've seen people opposing lockdowns turning up in the streets to protest as well. 
and I'm not particularly fond of lockdowns myself, but Christians are reminded by Peter that moderation and self-control are always part of our Christian character. He says in Second Peter chapter 1, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control. When you know something is wrong, and you want to object to it, you have to do so with a measure of self-restraint. So there's been a demand for rights right throughout this land. And I haven't even mentioned Brexit and coronavirus. But you can see now that we're, why we're glad to leave 2020 behind us. So my belief and my proposition this morning is that the state of humanity in 2020 is a result of the fact that as human beings we are sinners. We are fallen people living in a fallen world. And the relationship with God that we were created to have is broken. So we go back to John. John tells us in verse 10, chapter 1, that the people in the world did not know him. That's the cause of all of our problems. So what's the solution then? Let's be positive for a few minutes before we finish. What's the solution to our problems? Well, look at verse 11. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That's the most positive part of our view of 2020. It's like the psalmist said in Psalm 42, the psalm that we praise God in earlier on. That forces us to look within us in verse 5, to look at our souls and say, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. Don't look to the world. Don't look to the, the people on the streets and the loud, strident voices. Don't look to the philosophies of this life and this world. Look to the Lord. Take your hope from God. So what does John tell us about this? Well, he tells us, first of all, that when Jesus came into the world, his own people rejected him. Well, of course they did. Don't we know that? They rejected his ministry, they rejected his message, they rejected his love, and they nailed him to a cross. And they still reject him. It'd be wrong for us to be judgmental upon them. Because the world today rejects the Saviour every bit as much as they did in his day. Even now, even here in Northern Ireland, where people have enjoyed the blessings of Christian society for so many years, they still turn him away. And yet in Jesus, we have the right to be called a child of God. Now that's an amazing offer of rights. We all like to protest about our rights. And yet this is a right that we have no right to. 
We're sinners, and because we have rejected him, and because we're at war with him in our carnal nature, we do not possess the right to be called a child of God. We're born into this world with certain rights. Some countries have rights built into their constitution. They have a Bill of Rights. And they will tell you that you have the right to freedom and that you have the right of conscience and you have the right to live your own life and you have the right to happiness and all sorts of things. A right perhaps to to be free of fear or the most basic right of all, the right to life. But there's one right you don't have and that's the right to be called a child of God. That's because we're children of our father, the devil. There was only one person ever had the right to be called a child of God, and that was Jesus, God's only begotten son. But John tells us here that we can receive him. Verse 12. To as many as received him, to them he Give the right to become children of God. The right that we don't possess, we can have in Christ. We can receive him. And we can receive in him those rights. The right to be called children of God. The right to belong to God's family. Not of a birthright, but of an adoption. A right of adoption. To be brought into the family of God. And to be cared for in that family. To belong in that family. To be part of that family. And how do we receive him? Well here's how we do it. Verse 12. As many as received him. He gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. We must believe. To the jailer at Philippi, Paul said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Just believe. Just accept that he died for you at the cross. Accept, believe that all of your sins are forgiven, and rest and trust in his saving love. And you think, well, how could that be possible? Just to believe something. But it's not from a human standpoint. Verse 13 is very important. It tells us that in Christ, God has brought us out of lostness, out of the hopeless despair and darkness of this world, into the saving light of Christ's love. Look at it. Verse 13. Who were born. Not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This saving work is God's work. It's not our work. Look at how our utter helplessness is described in this verse. It's not of blood. We can't be saved because we are a particular race. You see, race is irrelevant in Christianity. Being black or white or brown or some ethnic source, that's not a ticket to heaven. You can't be a Christian because you're a white man or a black man. You can't be saved by your race or your ethnic origin. 
And you can't be a Christian because your parents were Christians. Nor can your decisions save you. The NIV, strangely enough, translates this verse brilliantly. The NIV says in verse 13 that we are children of God. Children born not of natural descent. Not of human decision. Not of a husband's will. There's nothing that can make you a Christian. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. And it's God's work. Who were born, verse 13. Not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Salvation is all of the Lord. I didn't decide to get born. Happened through the will of my parents. It's just the same with God's work. He brings us into his kingdom. It is the gift of God. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 and 9. Paul says it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is God in his sovereign grace and mercy who convicts us of our sin and brings us to saving faith in Christ to enable us to believe and take the promise of the right given to us in Christ to be called a child of God. So we have the problem. Mankind is ruined by the fall. The world is destroyed and broken because of Adam's sin, because of the fall. And there is only one solution. And the solution is not found in the green agenda. And the solution is not found in the anti-racism lobbies of Black Lives Matter and these other organisations. The solution to humanity's lostness is Christ. And Christ alone. May the Lord write his word on our hearts. And when we look back over 2020... And like the wee boy with a snowman, we say good riddance to that year. May we not be in despair, but may we, like the psalmist, hope in the Lord. For we shall yet praise him for the help of his kindness.